You're listening to the Falcon Method Podcast, the audio content accompanying our monthly investment newsletter service. If you're new to the channel, our Falcon team is made up of diehard value investors who are dedicated to helping you navigate the chaotic stock investment landscape. In this series, we provide regular updates on investment-related topics and recap highlights from our newsletter in a more casual format. Without further ado, let's jump into today's program. So welcome everyone to the very first podcast session. I am Matt here and uh, Pete is here with me also. Hey everyone, I'm Peter. So first of all, we want to emphasize, it might be strange for the very first sentences, but we're not native English speakers, so so excuse us for our accents, but we will try our best in this podcast series to sound as clear as possible. Yeah, we also hope that at the end is the quality of the content that matters the most, so I hope we won't disappoint you on that front. Yeah, so first I think we're going to introduce ourselves just a little bit. So both of us are equity analysts and we work at a monthly newsletter service provider. Our name is the Falcon Method. Yeah, let's tell me a bit about why we chose this format accompanying the newsletter. Yeah, so the newsletter obviously is just a monthly content and we wanted to create weekly or even more frequent uh, contents for our followers to digest. And of course, a podcast is the best format in our opinion because who has the time to read all the stuff you can listen to us in your car or basically anywhere you want during sports or anything. And I think the most important part of this podcast today is why we are doing this and why we have started to produce these little bite-sized information uh, podcast sessions. And we really are a huge believers in spreading the information which you have and, and gaining followers with the same kind of interest. We're quite disappointed about the quality of investment materials on the internet and especially in a podcast format. So we really hope that we can provide you with some thoughtful and thought-provoking informations uh, on investment topics, especially in stocks. So mostly we're going to talk about uh, stock investing because that's what we do and that's what we're familiar with. Yeah, and also we think that it really adds value if we not only provide some written analysis once per month, basically, as part of our newsletter, but also have the chance to um, just share our thought process behind each an- analysis that we publish. Also click through some models in Excel, which we think could benefit everyone. All right, so I think it's important to state already at the beginning why we think we are able to provide quality content. And there's none other than the framework that we work in. Yeah, so we basically we kind of operate in a very different environment than most typical investment newsletter services. So we really do all our research basically in the EVA framework. And EVA stands for Economic Value Added. Well, this is absolutely an, um, an institutional level service. So in our view, not a lot of service providers have the possibility to conduct research using such great resources. So I think we're going to talk a lot about EVA and uh, why we think it's superior to basically any other accounting metric. Yeah, basically it helps to reveal if a company is creating true economic profit and 
it does that by simply accounting for for the cost of equity capital which traditional conventional accounting considers to be free now if you're a shareholder you can surely agree that your money which the company retains for example is not free money and the company must out earn their true cost of capital which includes of course interest bearing debt and also equity but this whole framework has a lot of nuances which i think we're going to touch upon in later episodes basically there are a lot of adjustments which make conventional accounting statements more shareholder focused rather than lender focused which we think is the reality the balance sheets and financial statements are really for lenders yeah maybe summarize in a nutshell what eva really excels at is it just gives us a clear framework to just separate the wheat from the chaff which means that we can identify pretty much immediately if a company is creating economic value or not for its shareholders which means if it's out earning its true cost of capital that means value has been created if not that's a value destructive company that you don't want to touch with a 10 foot pole yeah sure and uh, we have to note here that eva and for example net profits or earnings per share can take widely different routes so it might seem from traditional standpoints that a company is uh, becoming even more profitable and uh, is increasing revenues increasing profits but in reality they might be pouring money into investments which earn an inadequate return on the capital that's invested and eva will tell this truth but again i think we're gonna we're gonna elaborate on this topic in much more detail because it's uh, quite complicated so we're gonna have to devote more time to it good now the first topic that we want to discuss today is our investable universe and Maybe let's start really at the first step why it's important to have a limited number of companies that we follow. Well, we truly believe that having an investment universe is simply the byproduct of having a thorough and stable investment process that simply qualifies a given amount of companies and disqualifies the rest of the investable universe. Yeah, so the main problem that everybody's faced with is that you have how many thousand stocks just in the United uh, in the United States? Yeah, at least 3000. Yeah, 3 three and a half thousand listed companies i think in the u.s so you have got to somehow reduce them somehow reduce the number of the available companies now obviously you want to choose some logically structured process which will eliminate those stocks which you're not interested in and yeah as peter mentioned if you don't have an investable universe so if you're investing right now and you have basically no idea what what's the subgroup of companies that you're interested in we really think you have you kind of have no investment process in place and that's going to be a huge problem going forward because you're just kind of shooting blindly and sometimes you're going to find great companies but if you don't have a proper background a proper research and a proper analytical background for for deciding whether a stock is is even worthy of analysis or not then it's going to be problematic all right so of course, we have a multi-step filtering process, but let's just start at the basics. Let's just start with our first screening criteria, which is an immaculate dividend history. And specifically, we're looking for companies with at least 15 years of continuous dividend payments with no cut or suspension during this time frame. Note that this doesn't necessarily mean that the company increased its payout each year, but we're demanding that it has at least maintained it. Also, as a second criterion, if the dividend paying streak is longer than 15 years we want to see no cuts within the last 20 years 
Yeah, so basically what we're trying to see is that if we examine at least 15 years of time, then at least one recession will be included. And uh, if there is a company which was able to maintain a dividend during a recession, then it's something that we're surely interested in. But on the other hand, we want to avoid dividend cutters because dividend cutters tend to have quite low quality. But if it was it was so back in time, like 25, 30 years, then today's company might be an entirely different animal. So we're not disqualifying them. Yeah, and it's worth noting that the dividend component itself has contributed a bunch to the historical performance of stocks in general, and that goes especially for the reinvested dividends. If we look at US stocks in aggregate, we can conclude that dividend payers and dividend growers and dividend initiators most of the time are performed non-dividend paying companies. But investing is not so simple as just trying to find the best dividend paying companies and just in a few minutes we're going to elaborate on this because we think it's very important to understand Um, and you're going to immediately see that our newsletter service and our thinking framework is much more than just trying to pick the best dividend paying companies. Yeah, that's sad. It's worth noting that even this very basic criteria narrows down our investable universe to roughly 400 survivors, which is significantly less than the overall stock universe. Yeah, I just wanted to add that uh, I think in the description we're going to link two books. One is from Professor Jeremy Siegel, and it's titled The Future for Investors. And the other one is from James O'Shaughnessy, and it's the title is What Works on Wall Street. And you're going to find a ton of uh, historical, empirical evidence about the overperformance of dividend-paying companies. You can check those out if you wish. Sure. So one key aspect that uh, we want to note already at the beginning that the vast majority of the survivors are US-based. Yeah, so basically in the US, there is a different approach to dividends than in Europe. So in the United States, if you have if you have initiated the dividend and you have grown the dividend for decades, then maintaining or preferably increasing the dividend is absolutely crucial if you are the management because a dividend cut sends a clear signal to the market that you have serious trouble in your company and we have to know that sometimes a dividend cut might be a very prudent thing to do and uh, and in the long run it may increase shareholder value so there are situations where cutting the dividend is the prudent decision to do but generally speaking investors and the market and wall street will punish you badly and what's what's in europe it's kind of different yeah yeah in europe it's it's kind of the other way around where the history or the tradition doesn't really matter in most cases because most companies have simply a fixed payout ratio. That means that the dividend is simply pegged to the actual earnings and they just pay out, let's say, 50% and that's it. And the way the earnings fluctuate, the dividend simply follows and you for sure cannot build a safe and stable and growing income on that. Yeah, if you if you depend on on your dividend income, then the US is surely the surely the place to look for stocks but of course there's nothing wrong with european companies it's just that um i mean most of them have nothing wrong but it's just a different culture but on the other hand i think in today's economic situation but i might i might not be right it's just rather an opinion but of course we see quantitative evidence for example in the economic value added numbers uh the fact is that most of truly competitive global companies are based in the United States. So I think, in my opinion, you have 20 to 30 
European companies which qualify as a truly great company, which creates tons of shareholder value. And therefore, we are, I, I, I would say, we're interested in only just a handful of European companies. But that's not because we're biased towards the United States. It's just the fact that the US is the hometown for, for competitive companies of today's uh, global age. Yeah, I think also one final thing about the dividend is it's simply it's psychological advantage, right? In case of a general market meltdown, and since the basic game of equity investing is so favorable on the long term, which means that a realistic expectation for total return over the long run could easily hit eight to ten percent, that means that staying in the game is is the most important factor. Yeah, of course, you can have any great strategy, but if you're unable to stick to it through thick and thin, you're going to miss out the true upside potential of the equity markets. So there is no one best strategy for all. I think it's 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 a good... Now it's good to mention that we might be in favor of one strategy. You might find another strategy that works just as well. And if you find that you can stick to one strategy better than to another surely go with that there's nothing wrong there is lots of ways to make money uh, on the, in the stock market and in the equity market so there's no wrong place to go it's just that you have to psychologically be able to stick to the plan you know fasten the seatbelt and just enjoy the ride all right now in in the final section let's talk a bit of the the dark side yeah the dark side of dividend investing yeah of course the first first topic to mention is you chasing that is simply the term that summarizes a basically a blind strategy to buy just the top X percent of the highest yields on the market. Yeah, well, the first thing that comes to mind before I would say yield chasing is that we can conclude it in one sentence is that we're not making investment decisions or you should, we are not making, I and mean, you shouldn't also um, make investment decisions solely based on the dividend profile of a company because there's much more that goes into that there's much more that goes into successful investing than just trying to pick dividend the best dividend payers so yeah but as uh, peter mentioned yield chasing is i think the most problematic i think the most problematic um aspect of trying to pick dividend pick uh, dividend paying companies because lots of people, first of all, have unrealistic return expectations regarding dividend payouts. So if you believe that in today's market, a 8 to 10% dividend yield is something that's sustainable and also the underlying company is not of completely garbage quality, you might be looking at the wrong place. So that I think that's not realistic in today's market. So when the S&P 500 is yielding, what? I don't know, 1.5% roughly? Yeah, for sure below 2%. Yeah, so below 2%, then having 8 to 10% dividend yields because you need it for retirement income, for example, is simply unrealistic and you're going to face a true risk of permanent loss of capital. But, I mean, that brings us to another topic, which is giving up on the total return potential. Yeah, so I think we both agree, right, that Investing should be about maximizing total returns, or at least that should be, in my opinion, or at least the primary goal. And it's just a nice benefit that we get the cash coming in as in the form of dividends. Yeah, maybe it's worth noting that over the long run, 
the majority of shareholder returns um, is stemming from profitable growth of the companies, which we can put also as generating additional or incremental EVA or economic profits. Yeah, because the the fact is, is that lots of dividend paying companies are paying dividend for a very good reason. And that reason is because they lack growth opportunities. When a company lacks growth, then in the long run, if you hold the company for the long run, you're kind of left with the dividend as the primary source of your total return. Maybe if you bought it cheap enough, you have a one-time expansion of the valuation multiples and you can profit nicely from that, but only on the short term. So the longer you hold the stock, the more important are the growth characteristics. And lots of dividend companies with very high payout ratios have completely garbage growth characteristics or possibilities to deploy new capital. Yeah, I think to summarize it, we can put it quite simply that it's a great company that makes for a great dividend and it's not the other way around. There are loads of great companies that deliberately do not pay a dividend. Especially when we were looking for historical evidence um, about the overperformance of dividend payers and dividend growers, we have encountered, I think, all studies basically did this, is that they have categorized, of course, it would be problematic to do otherwise, but they're just categorizing non-dividend payers as as one group. Now, if I ask you about Facebook or Google or PayPal, are you going to say that those are not great companies? So we have a problem with those studies, and, and that problem is, is that they do not define subgroups of non-dividend paying companies because lots of companies are unable to pay a dividend because, for example, they don't have positive free cash flow or are very cyclical and uh, basically just don't have the financial wherewithal to pay a dividend is not the same as companies which are producing tons of free cash flow, growing free cash flow at double-digit rates at 20, 30, 40%, but decide not to pay a dividend because they have very lucrative reinvestment opportunities and they simply have better place to put the newly generated cash than to pay it out for shareholders. So if that subgroup would be examined in terms of historical returns, we're quite sure... Am I, am I right, Peter, that we're quite sure that, that those would be the best performing stocks? Yeah, and also rest assured that even if they are not in our investable universe, we are also monitoring these companies. And whenever you find a compelling opportunity to invest in such a great quality compounder, if you're going to inform our subscribers about that, that's the reason why we came up with the idea of the Outlaw portfolio, uh, which is basically dedicated for these opportunities. Yeah, because in the core portfolio, we're going to reserve that for those companies that are already in our investable universe. But we are actively looking and uh, also in the future might be working on a different kind of newsletter, which might include different sorts of companies. But rest assured, we are actively looking for the most compelling opportunities in non-dividend paying companies, which are far and few in today's market. But anyway, we keep our eyes open. Yeah, I think that concludes our first episode. And so we hope you're going to stick with us uh, over the course of the next episodes. And until then, happy investing and see you next time. Yeah, we hope that we raised your attention with this first session and uh, you were already able to cherry pick some information which you might find helpful. So yeah, I think we're going to publish these podcasts at least once a week. Uh, maybe even more regularly. So if you're listening on YouTube, you can like, share, subscribe, comment. 
You can ask us questions in the description below. We're going to have our email address. If you have any suggestions regarding topics which we should cover, then feel free to contact us. Have a nice week and uh, happy investing. Bye. Thanks a lot for listening. That concludes the most recent edition of the Falcon Method podcast. If you like this episode, please don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe to our channel to be notified of new releases. For a detailed analysis of our monthly top 10 most attractive stocks, you can start a free trial for our newsletter under the link in the description below and get a $40 discount off the standard annual subscription fee using the code TFMPODCAST40 that is TFMPODCAST40 at checkout. In the description below you can find the link to our newsletter as well as our Seeking Alpha author profile. Make sure to check them both. If you have any questions, feel free to contact us via the email address in the description. Thanks again and see you next time. Please note that this material is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only and it is not a personal recommendation to buy or sell any stock or to adopt any investment strategy. The value of your investments can rise as well as fall and there's always a risk of permanent loss of capital. Past performance is not a reliable guide for future performance. The investments referred to may not be suitable for all investors and you should always seek personal advice from a qualified financial advisor. We can only answer questions of general nature and are unable to provide specific buy or sell recommendations or specific investment advice on an individual basis. In terms of full disclosure, we or a connected party may have an interest in the securities mentioned.